glad Jesus lifted me. Why don't we put our hands together and sing this tonight? I'm so glad. Sing it with me. I'm so glad Jesus lifted me. I'm so glad Jesus lifted me. I'm so glad Jesus lifted me. Singing glory, hallelujah. Jesus lifted me. I was bound. Jesus set me free. I was bound. Jesus set me free. I was bound. Jesus set me free. Singing glory, hallelujah. Jesus lifted me. I'll tell the world, Jesus lifted me. I'll tell the world, Jesus lifted me. I'll tell the world, Jesus lifted me. Singing glory, hallelujah. Jesus, let's sing it. I'm so glad. I'm so glad Jesus lifted me. Keep your hands together. Glad Jesus lifted me. I'm so glad Jesus lifted me, singing glory, hallelujah, Jesus lifted me. Be thankful to be in church tonight, say amen. Amen, that's not bad, that's not bad. Let's sing this song together. There is a name I love to hear, sing it with me now. There is a name I love to hear, I love to sing its worth, it sounds like music in my ear the sweetest name on earth oh how i love jesus oh how i love jesus oh how i love jesus because he first loved me it tells me of a savior's love who died to set me free it tells me of his precious blood the sinner's perfect plea oh how i love jesus oh how i love jesus oh how i love jesus because he first loved me now I, if there's a song that i think could really fit a wednesday night bible study perfectly it's this next song we're about to sing more about jesus i want you to look, think about these words we don't sing this song a whole lot around here and i thought we should sing it tonight based on pastor's message here's the first verse it says more about jesus would i know more of his grace to others show more of his saving fullness see more of his love who died for me that ought to be our prayer tonight that we would learn more and more about jesus and that in turn as we learn more about jesus that we ought to be motivated to show others and tell others about jesus christ amen so let's sing this song together if you don't know it i think it'll be easy to catch on after the first verse so sing it with me now more about jesus more about jesus would i know more of his grace to others show more of his saving fullness see more of his love who died for me more more about jesus more more about jesus more of his saving fullness see more of his love who died for me more about jesus 
Jesus, let me learn more of his holy will discern. Spirit of God, my teacher, be showing the things of Christ to me. More, more about Jesus. More, more about Jesus. More of his saving fullness see. More of his love who died for me. Let's sing this last verse now. More about Jesus on his throne. Riches in glory all his own. More of his kingdom sure increase. More of his come. Sing it now. More about Jesus. More, more about Jesus. More, more about Jesus. More of his saving fullness see. More of his love who died for me. Amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated as pastor comes. Oh, hold on here. Technology, got it. All righty, good evening. Glad you're here. Did you enjoy the weather today? That's good. <laughs> because I think it's going away. I think it's going to disappear. And uh, Brother Tyler, I asked him, uh, by the way, thanks for praying for him. He uh, didn't get there, didn't get to uh, California um, on time. He got, uh, got stopped in Phoenix. Um, but he got on a plane. He got, uh, I, think I'm, I think I'm right, he got in the hotel about 1 or 1.30 uh, on Monday morning. Had to be back at the airport at about 4, 4.30. Um, they flew him into LAX. They flew his baggage to Burbank. So uh, they come and picked him up at LAX. They got him down to Lancaster. And uh, they did take him by Walmart, let him pick up some toiletries, and he just preached, the, the school administrator there took care of the uh, first message, and then Brother Tyler preached that afternoon, and just to close it, he left here uh, on Sunday afternoon. Then they sent somebody at Burbank, got his clothes, everything went well, he said it broke loose this afternoon, and uh, said God just really, uh, really did a big thing there today. So praise the Lord for that. Uh, he, he said he's flying back tomorrow, flies out of there at noon. And he said, I hope I don't have any issues. I said, well, good luck. It's supposed to start raining tonight and snowing tomorrow. So uh, he just gave me one of these emojis. And uh, he hadn't had a real good experience going out to California. But um, anyway, thanks for praying for him. And I'd asked some of you uh, last week, <laughs> sent some of you a text and asked you to pray for a man named Alan Clark. Alan uh, has been visiting here. His wife, Allison, got saved a couple of years ago, and Alan's been visiting. And Lord's just really been working on his heart, and, and uh, he just uh, gone through a pretty difficult surgery. And uh, God had just really, uh, really impressed upon me the need that this was the time uh, to confront him about his eternity. And I got to do that on Monday morning, and Alan got saved. So praise the Lord for that, and uh, so God's good, amen? Meet me tonight in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, I want to ask you an interesting question tonight, 
If Oprah Winfrey, come on, if Oprah asked you to come on her show and explain your position on homosexuality, by the way, this isn't a message on homosexuality, this is all illustration, uh, we're going somewhere, okay, so stay with me, it's going to be a rather lengthy uh, introduction, but I need to lay some groundwork, and by the way, this will be a two-part message, we won't get it all tonight, uh, we'll wrap it up uh, next time I preach on a Wednesday night. But um, let's just say she asked you to appear on her TV show and explain your position on homosexuality, what would you say? Now, I'm not assuming you accept the invitation. That's not the question. The question is, what would you say when you got there? Now, let's change that a little bit. Let's say you're the pastor of a mega church in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. You've written numerous books. There are literally thousands, maybe even tens of thousands of people who watch your television, your televised services every Sunday. So... You're not a nobody from some out-of-the-way place in Kansas that gets hit up by some amateur video guy who's doing a man-on-the-street interview for some college project, okay? You're, you're somebody in the church world. You're somebody whose name most people would know your name is T.D. Jakes that happened to him he was invited he's by the way he's the pastor of the Potter's house in Dallas very large church very well-known uh, black pastor he got invited on the Oprah show for that very purpose. Now, let me just clear a couple of things up tonight in case you're wondering. Um, I'm not promoting um, T.D. Jakes. I'm, I'm not here to rag on him, but I'm, I'm not promoting him either. There are a couple of, probably a number of reasons for that. A couple of them. Uh, number one, he preaches a prosperity gospel. Uh, if you're not familiar with the prosperity gospel is the belief that financial blessing and physical well-being are always God's will for you. You don't have to read very far in the New Testament to find out that's not exactly the truth or Paul wouldn't have ever gotten sick. He wouldn't have ever had to pray and say, God, take away this thorn in the flesh. Um, and really, it just takes three things. It takes faith. It takes positive speech. And, of course, donations to religious causes. And, and all of your material wealth will just increase. That's nowhere in this book. I'm sorry, it's just not in there. The second area that I would uh, differ with, with Mr. Jakes is his belief in the Trinity. The Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are not manifestations. They are people. 
That is very clear in the Word of God. And I'll not get into all of that because it's not relevant to the message tonight. But what is relevant is the fact that I'm, again, using him as an illustration because he was asked on Oprah's show a few, year, a few years ago about his beliefs on homosexuality. Now, I think you understand tonight that any show being hosted by Oprah Winfrey is no small platform. I mean, she had millions of viewers, and many of them hung on her every word. So, Mr. Jake's answer to her question, would you agree with me tonight, is huge. It's huge. Whenever Christians speak out on homosexuality, we face certain challenges like opposition. We're likely to be opposed. We're branded as bigots. We may even be misunderstood by our own people. I'm talking about other Christians, other believers. Let's face it, times have changed in the church world. Many people are pressing us to stop calling homosexuality a sin and to admit gays and lesbians and transgender people to church membership. Now, you know your pastor well. I'm not a hater. Anybody is welcome to walk through those doors any single service we have. It doesn't matter. And and we will love them and, and we will treat them with the utmost respect. That's just, that's just the rule here. That, that's the way it is. Sometimes we're even unfairly linked with wackos like Whistlebritches in Topeka. I don't think that's his name, but that's good enough. Even though we don't shout and call names, we're still linked with with. That crowd, even though we try and speak the truth in love. But here's the problem. Even even if we speak the truth in love, we are living in a generation, as I spoke about on Sunday night, as we wrapped up our study of Acts chapter 17, we are living in a generation who denies the concept of absolute truth. They believe that everyone ought to get to choose their own truth. And I'll say a little bit more about that later. Let's let's get back to T.D. Jakes and how he answered Oprah when she asked this specific question, do you think that being gay is a sin? Here is T.D. Jakes' response. I'm not called to give my opinion. I'm called as a pastor to give the scriptural position on it. I think that sex between two people of the same sex is condemned in the scriptures. And as long as it is condemned in the scriptures, I don't get to say what I think. I get to say what the Bible says. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Could he have said more? <laughs> yeah. But let's not ignore, and he can stay with me, I'm going somewhere, okay? Let's not ignore what he did say, because it's the basis of my message. Here's what he did say, and it's something that every one of us here tonight, not just your pastor, not just our ministry staff, but every one of us need to ponder. He said, I'm not called to give my opinion. I'm called as a pastor to give the scriptural position on it. And then I love this. He said, I don't get to say what I think. I get to say what the Bible says. That is the essence of my message. With the Lord's help, I want to preach to you tonight and, and, and again, when I get the opportunity, what does it mean to believe the Bible? What does it mean to believe the Bible? How many of you tonight, raise your hand high, how many of you believe the Bible? Don't put them down yet. Get them up there. Kelby, you got your hand up? Okay, wow. I'm like, your arm's longer than that. All right, put them down. What would you say if I ask you to explain that? But again, what would you say? What, what do you mean you believe the Bible? I believe that uh, what I read in the Bible is the truth. I believe that uh, there's no question about, I may understand it sometimes, but I have no questions about the genuine. Okay, all right, very good. Very good. <laughs> Look at the nervous faces. <laughs> I love it when I do that. <sighs> oh, Al wants me to call Earl. That's what he said, ask Earl. Yeah, he said, ask Earl. What does it mean to believe the Bible? To believe, to put it in my heart and believe it to be the truth. Okay, all right. Hey, as good Baptist folks who go to church on Wednesday night, isn't it easy to just say, well, yeah, I believe the Bible. But what, when the, what about when the pastor asks you, what do you mean by that? What, 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 are you, what are you going to tell the person at work when they say, well, what do you mean you believe the Bible? You know, we, we have all these cliches, don't we? Our Christianese. Well, no, you think I'm a heretic? You think I'm a, uh, a heathen? Of course I believe the Bible. Well, what does that mean? Those were, those were pretty good answers for being put on the spot like right now. Give me an answer. Um, that was good. Let me tell you our official stance here at Fellowship Baptist Church is that the Word of God is inspired. It is inerrant. It is infallible. And it is the supreme and final authority for faith and life. And I want to say that last part again. I want you to take note tonight. It is the supreme and final authority for faith and life. The Bible comes from God, does it not? God is the ultimate authority. Therefore, the Bible 
is our final authority. We don't have the Bible in some other book. We have the Bible, amen. That's all we've got. This means that in a, a world of competing truth claims, for somebody who says they believe the Bible, then the Bible is the Supreme Court. What the Bible says, God says. Now, that's not a small issue. Because there are many, even in mainline denominations today, who are battling over the very claim that what the Bible says, God says. And I'm telling you tonight, every one of you are going to have to draw a line in the sand, and you're going to have to make this declaration. I will believe the Bible, all of it, every word of it, from beginning to end, and everything in between. That's what it means to believe the Bible. Now, with all of that as background, and using the words of the Apostle Paul as our guide, I want to try and answer that question over the next couple of weeks. What does it mean to believe the Bible? I mean, let, let's be honest now. It's one thing to say we believe it, especially on a Wednesday night at a church service when a preacher's looking. It's one thing to say we believe it, but it's another thing to live that out on a daily basis. So here's the first thing, and this is as far as we'll get tonight. Here's what I'll say. According, according to the Word of God, to believe the Bible means accepting its authority in every area of life. Believing the Bible means accepting its authority in every area of life. Look at verse 13. I think we may, I may have made reference uh, to this, at least this verse, uh, a couple of weeks ago when I was preaching again from the book of Acts, as we're doing on Sunday nights, and we talked about Paul landing in Thessalonica. And I talked about how the church there got started. Look, look what Paul said in verse 13. He said, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because, here's why we're thankful so often, Paul said, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth. The word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. If you're writing your Bible, I want you to write some notes here. Paul used two different words when that, that were translated received. The first word simply means to hear with the ears. That is, the Thessalonians listened intently to the preaching of the Apostle Paul because they knew that it was from God. He wasn't God, but they knew that what he was preaching 
was from God. So they heard it with the ear. The second word means to welcome as a visitor in your home. So Paul said, for this cause also we thank God without ceasing, because you, when you received the word, that is when you, when you heard it audibly with your ear, ye received it, that means you welcomed it, it was welcome in you. This is the hearing of the heart. So you've got the hearing of the ear, but you've also got the hearing of the heart. And here's what Paul was saying. The Thessalonians made the transference of Paul's preaching from ears to heart. Church, listen, that's huge. That's huge right there. They made the transference from the hearing the words of Paul, which they believed to be the words of God, but they made the transference of that truth to their heart. It's one thing to listen to a sermon, but it's something altogether different to let that sermon change your life. This explains why some people can come to church, I'm talking for years, can come to church and hear sermon after sermon after sermon, but never change. They just look at it as preaching. They look at it as blah, 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 blah. They never view it as God's divine message for them. They always say it's for them. Or for them. They never say it's for me. Paul's focus here is, is crucial. He's saying, you heard the message from a man, but you recognized that it came from God. That's huge. Listen, it would, be, it would be so much easier if I could just sit here as well and God just showed up and preached us a sermon. But it doesn't work that way anymore. It, it, that's not how God is chosen. God, Paul said that God is chosen through the foolishness of preaching. The man who opens the word of God, whether it's me or one of our ministry staff or a missionary guest or an evangelist, the men who stand in, in this church and open the word of God are not God, but they are men of God. And they are preaching the message of God. And we need to understand that. That it doesn't matter who the man is, what matters is what the message is. Now, let's be honest, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt if we like the man. Right? Absolutely. If he's funny, if he connects with us, if, 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 he, uh, if we can relate to him, I mean, that, that makes it a whole, lot, a whole lot easier. So again, let's be honest tonight, sometimes, sometimes it's hard work. Huh? It's hard work listening to a sermon. I mean, it's hard enough just listening with this. And if we're not careful, 
we'll just listen with this and we'll not make the transference to our heart because of the man will ignore the message. We got to get over that. We got to get past that. If a man's standing in the pulpit and he's reading and preaching the word of God, then it is the word of God. The Thessalonians understood, and, and, and Paul makes this clear here, and this is what he really, really appreciated about the Thessalonians is that they understood that Paul was not just expressing his opinion or making a suggestion. He was speaking divine truth. And can I just echo what, what Mr. Jake said? As your pastor, I don't get to just give you my opinion. Now, there are times that, that I, will, I will say something like, well, here's what I think, or this is what I believe, or this is my take on this. And I always try to, I always try to be specific in, in, in you understanding, now listen, this is my opinion. And I always joke with you, if, if you want to discuss it, we can go out and do lunch. I'll be glad to let you buy me lunch, and we'll talk about it. Nobody, it's a bummer because nobody takes me up on it. That's not true either. But you understand what I'm saying tonight. I don't get to just stand up here. And when I say I don't get to give you my opinion, that means I don't get to give you my opinion as though it's authority. Because it's not. It's just my opinion. But Paul said, here's what I really appreciate about you Thessalonians and what I have been thankful for over and over and over again it, it's that you understood I wasn't just giving you my opinion as your pastor I get to give you God's word God's authoritative word this is why the debate over the nature of the Bible is so crucial if it's, if it's just the word of man, then it's liable to change. Right? But if it's the word of God, it is unchangeable because God doesn't change. Thus, what was right in Paul's day is right in our day. And what was wrong in Paul's day is still wrong in our day. If the Bible is the word of God, and it is, then it is utterly and completely authoritative. Which means it has the final claim on our life. Let me put it this way. If the Bible is not the word of God, but rather the word of man, then we are entitled to sit in judgment on it. But if the Bible is the word of God, then we must bow in submission to it. So let me ask you tonight, what do you believe about the Bible? 
That's huge. Is it the word of man? Or is it the word of God? Is it on the same level as the daily newspaper? Or does it speak with divine authority? Or is it a mixture of the two? Meaning, those parts that don't interfere with your life, that's the Word of God. Yeah, but those parts that kind of interfere with some things in your life, well, yeah, that's debatable. I don't know, there's a toss-up. I don't know, Paul would just maybe give us a suggestion there. <laughs> How convenient is that? Listen, this is either all of the Word of God or it's none of the Word of God. It's just that simple. Now, if you say that it's the Word of God, then you also have to say that it is not simply one message among many. That means there is only one truth. Well, Pastor, I don't know, that's... Man, that's pretty exclusive. That's pretty narrow. It's not any more narrow than 2 plus 2 equals 4. Well, I don't believe that equals. Listen, buddy, it doesn't matter what you believe it equals. Go to the store. Go to the credit union. It's a credit union. Is 2 plus 2 4 or is it whatever somebody says it is? It's always 4 every day. Every, you're telling me that it doesn't matter what I think, that 2 plus 2 is always going to equal 4. Is that right, Farron? Well, that's not fair. That's too narrow. Bigot. You with me? We, we can't say. We, we can't have it both ways. To say that the Bible is the Word of God it is... It's just fact. Listen, it's not like the Democratic or Republican platforms that come, that come about through debate and consensus. Church, listen to me. There is no debate here. That's why on Sunday morning I don't say, okay, how many of you believe that message? Raise your hand. How many of you don't believe that message? Raise your hand. Because the bottom line is, it doesn't matter whether we believe it or not, it's still the truth. We don't base our preaching around here on consensus. We don't have a deacon's meeting every month and say, okay, here's the four messages we're preaching on Sunday morning. Let's come to a consensus here. Let's debate this. Let's come to agreement. Is this the word of God or not? No. These men just expect me to get up and proclaim the truth of the word of God because they know it's the word of God. If the Bible is the word of God, then it's exclusive in its claims. It doesn't ask for, nor does it need, our approval. It, it's not a, and I just use this illustration, it's not a police incident narrative. 
that you get back to the squad room and start typing and fill out, and then you, you send it on forward, and, and, and a, a sergeant or, or a lieutenant may send that back and say, there are some corrections that need to be made. I think this needs to be in here. I don't think this needs to be in here. I think you need to say this this way. I think you need to change the way you said that. Listen, we don't get to take that approach to the Word of God. It's, it's not like it needs to be corrected. God doesn't ask us, hey, hey, buddy, hey, Mr. Bill, would you take a look at this and, and tell me if I got this right? No. My approach to the Word of God is this. God got it right the first time. And he's not asking me, to examine it. He's not asking me what I think about this. He's, hey, could you suggest some additions or subtractions? Well, no, I can't because back in the back of the book, in the book of Revelation, you said you wouldn't abide those who added to or took away from your word. And if you think God's playing games there, you're wrong. When I, uh, when I attend a lead board meeting, Brother Mike, he's on the board as well. Brother Tyler's on the board. Brother Jimmy's on the board. Leadership Richmond Development. We have meetings every month. And at some point, usually at the beginning of that meeting, and this happens too when I uh, go to a board meeting in Heartland, which I will next week. I serve on the board of directors of Heartland Baptist Bible College. And at the beginning of just about, not just about, at the beginning of every meeting, we take a vote to approve the minutes from the last meeting. Now, when we get to Heartland, I hope everybody says yes, because those are my notes. <laughs> I'm the secretary. But every now and then, I'll miss something. I'll say somebody was there and they wasn't there, or I'll say somebody was absent or they weren't absent, and they'll raise their hand and say, hey, I was, I was here, I... I no, well, my bad, I missed it, so we'll make a correction. Listen, these aren't, these, aren't, <laughs> these aren't notes to a business meeting. Are you with me tonight? I'm laying a lot of groundwork, but that's because it's important. Because to believe the Bible means that we're accepting it, its authority in every area of our life. And so we have to understand tonight, or we have to ask ourselves this question, well, does this book have the authority to run my life? Absolutely it does. Because it's the Word of God. Now, when you think about it, as Christians, we believe something very profound and something very radical. And in an age of moral and spiritual anarchy, check this out. We believe there is a God in heaven who has spoken to the human race. Do we not? God has spoken, and he didn't stutter. Not to be disrespectful to anyone. He spoke. And he made himself perfectly clear in his word, the Bible. 
And it's not like he was so short-sighted that he didn't see into 2017, by the way. Now, he saw all the way, he saw far past any time you and I will be alive. So he knew what the day was going to be like. He knew what the culture was going to be like. He knew what was going to be going on. Now, think about this. We'll not turn there. But all the way back in the book of Genesis, what, what was the first attack of the devil? Absolutely. God's word. That was the first thing he attacked. You remember what he said? God had told Adam and Eve, you can eat of any tree of the garden. It doesn't matter. You just, you just knock yourself out. But that one tree right there, do not eat of that tree or you will die. What was the first question, Brother Mike, that the devil asked? Yea, hath God said. I mean, did God really say that? Come on, Eve, let me let you in on a little secret. God's holding out on you. But let me just tell you something. You know why God told you that? It's because he knows that if you eat of that tree, you're going to become a god too. And so Satan's first attack was on the word of God. So is it any wonder today 2,000 and whatever many years later, many years more than 2,000 later, he's still attacking the Word of God. Because he knows that's our foundation. That's the only stable thing we have in life to anchor our heart and soul to. So today his question is no different as it's asked by those who oppose God's Word. And listen, church, as they ask, did God really say that? Our response must be yes. God really said it. And he really meant it. Now, let's go back to our text. Note the final words of verse 13, and I'll, I'll wrap this up. And I've never made this connection. I don't know why I preached in the book of First Thessalonians a number of years ago. I've read it often. I just read it again to you on a, a few Sunday nights ago. I don't know why I, I didn't make this connection. But look at the end of verse 13. That's why the Word of God is so incredible. You say, Preacher, I've read that Bible from cover to cover so many times. Yeah, so have I. But here I am on a Wednesday night showing you something that I hadn't seen before. So what's incredible about the Bible and the Spirit of God is He opens our heart and mind to understand the Word of God. He said, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. And here's a very simple truth that I missed. Paul ties the power of the Word of God to the response of a believing heart. You see it? Which worketh, or which effectually, that, that word, we, we get our English word, uh, energy from the Greek word for effectually worketh. That's all one word in the Greek. We get the word energy from that. So the word of God is at work 
in those, not who just hear it, but those who believe it. So preacher, why are you, why are you preaching a message on what does it mean to believe the Bible? Because that's where the power for life change comes. Not just in reading the words, but in making the transference of what we hear and what we read to our heart. That's when the change takes place. There is power in the Word of God when its divine authority is accepted and believed. So that being true, I want to ask you two questions tonight. All right, excuse me, I want you to ask yourself two questions tonight. Number one, do I truly believe the Word of God? And number two, if so, what difference does it make in my life? Do I truly believe the Bible is the Word of God? And if I do, what difference does it make in my life? Every person here tonight really needs to think about how they would answer those two questions. Because we live in days of spiritual anarchy where society and I'm even, I'm even talking about church, has rejected the word of the Lord. So tonight, church, are we willing to be men and women under authority who do what we're told to do in the word, even when it isn't popular? Listen to me, you go to work tomorrow, and somebody says, hey, what do you, what do you, what do you believe about homosexuality? And you tell them what the Bible says? Which your answer ought to be this, well, I'll be honest with you, it doesn't matter what I believe. What matters is what the Bible says. So let me just tell you what the Bible says. Or... Well, what do you what do you think about what do you think about people shacking up and having sex when they're not even married? Well, it really doesn't matter what I believe. I have an opinion, but it doesn't matter. Let me let me tell you what the Bible says. You see, see what you're doing there. You're you're letting yourself off the hook. You don't have to deal with it. It doesn't matter what you believe. And that's not just a cop-out. That is honest truth. It doesn't matter what I believe. Now, it just so happens to believe that I believe what the Bible believes. I believe what the Bible says. And you, you, you apply that to whatever question somebody may ask you tomorrow. Because your answer, if it's a Bible answer in 2017, it's probably not going to be popular. God help us to answer yes. Yes, I believe the Bible. But beyond that church, God help us to show the world by how we live that out every 
day. Amen? All right. Guys, you come. We'll get ready for the... Uh,